Chapter Twenty of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty. O'Brien fights a duel with a French officer and proves that the great art of fencing is knowing nothing about it. We arrive at our new quarters, which we find very secure. At night we arrived at a small town, the name of which I forget. Here we were all put into an old church for the night, and a very bad night we passed. We were afraid to lie down anywhere, as, like all ruined buildings in France, the ground was covered with filth, and the smell was shocking. At daybreak the door of the church was again opened by the French soldiers, and we were conducted to the square of the town, where we found the troops quartered. As the French officers walked along our ranks to look at us, I perceived among them a captain, whom we had known very intimately when we were living at Set with Colonel O'Brien. I cried out his name immediately. He turned around, and seeing O'Brien and me, he came up to us, shaking us by the hand and expressing his surprise at finding us in such a situation. O'Brien explained to him how we had been treated, at which he expressed his indignation, as did the other officers who had collected round us. The major, who commanded the troops in the town, turned to the French officer, he was only a lieutenant, who had conducted us from Toulon, and demanded of him his reason for behaving to us in such an unworthy manner. He denied having treated us ill, and said that he had been informed that we had put on officers' dresses which did not belong to us. At this O'Brien declared that he was a liar, and a cowardly foutre, that he had struck him with the back of his sabre, which he dared not have done if he had not been a prisoner, adding that all he requested was satisfaction for the insult offered to him, and appealed to the officers whether, if it were refused, the lieutenant's epaulets ought not to be cut off his shoulders. The major commandant and the officers retired to consult, and, after a few minutes, they agreed that the lieutenant was bound to give the satisfaction required. The lieutenant replied that he was ready, but at the same time did not appear to be very willing. The prisoners were left in charge of the soldiers, under a junior officer, while the others, accompanied by O'Brien, myself, and the lieutenant, walked to a short distance outside of town. As we proceeded there, I asked O'Brien with what weapons they would fight. "'I take it for granted,' replied he, "'that it will be with the small sword.' "'But,' said I, "'do you know anything about fencing?' "'Devil a bit, Peter, but that's all in my favour.' "'How can that be?' replied I. "'I'll tell you, Peter, if one man fences well, and another is but an indifferent hand at it, it is clear that the first will run the other through the body. But if the other knows nothing at all about it, why then, Peter?' the case is not quite so clear because the good fencer is almost as puzzled by your ignorance as you are by his skill and you become on more equal terms now peter i've made up my mind that i'll run that fellow through the body and so i will as sure as i am an o'brien well i hope you will but pray do not be too sure it's feeling sure that will make me able to do it peter by the blood of the O'Briens, didn't he slap me with a sword as if I were a clown in the pantomime? Peter, I'll kill the harlequin scoundrel, and my words as good as my bond. By this time we had arrived at the ground. The French lieutenant stripped to his shirt and trousers. O'Brien did the same, kicking his boots off and standing upon the wet grass in his stockings. The swords were measured and handed to them. They took their distance and set to. I must say that I was breathless with anxiety. The idea of losing O'Brien struck me with grief and terror. I then felt the value of all his kindness to me, 
and would have taken his place and have been run through the body rather than he should have been hurt at first o'brien put himself in the correct attitude of defence in imitation of the lieutenant but this was for a very few seconds he suddenly made a spring and rushed on his adversary stabbing at him with a velocity quite astonishing the lieutenant parrying in his defence until at last he had an opportunity of lounging at o'brien o'brien who no longer kept his left arm raised in equipoise caught the sword of the lieutenant at within six inches of the point and directing it under his left arm as he rushed in passed his own through the lieutenant's body it was all over in less than a minute the lieutenant did not live half an hour afterwards the french officers were very much surprised at the result for they perceived at once that o'brien knew nothing of fencing o'brien gathered a tuft of grass wiped the sword which he presented to the officer to whom it belonged and thanking the major and the whole of them for their impartiality and gentlemanlike conduct led the way to the square where he again took his station in the ranks of the prisoners shortly after the major commandant came up to us and asked whether we would accept of our parole as in that case we might travel as we pleased we consented with many thanks for his civility and kindness but i could not help thinking at the time that the french officers were a little mortified at o'brien's success although they were too honourable to express the feeling i had almost forgot to say that on our return after the duel the cutter's midshipman called out to o'brien requesting him to state to the commandant that he was also an officer but o'brien replied that there was no evidence for it but his bare word if he were an officer he must prove it himself as everything in his appearance flatly contradicted his assertion it's very hard replied the midshipman but because my jacket's a little tarry or so i must lose my rank my dear fellow replied o'brien it's not because your jacket's a little tarry it is because what the frenchmen call your two ensemble it is quite disgraceful in an officer look at your face in the first puddle and you'll find that it would dirty the water you look into well it's very hard replied the midshipman i must go on eating this black rye bread and very unkind of you it's very kind of me you spalpeen of the snapper prison will be a paradise to you when you get into good commons how you'll relish your grub by and by so now shut your pan or by the tail of jonah's whale i'll swear you're a spaniard i could not help thinking that o'brien was very severe upon the poor lad and i expostulated with him afterwards he replied peter if as a cutter's midshipman he is a bit of an officer the devil a bit is he of a gentleman either born or bred i'm not bound to bail every blackguard-looking chap that i meet by the head of st peter i would blush to be seen in company if i were in the wildest bog in ireland with nothing but an old crow as spectator we were now again permitted to be on our parole and received every attention and kindness from the different officers who commanded the detachments which passed the prisoners from one town to the other in a few days we arrived at montpelier where we had orders to remain a short time until directions were received from government as to the depots for prisoners to which we were to be sent at this delightful town we had unlimited parole not even a gendarme accompanying us we lived at the table d'hote were permitted to walk about where we pleased and amused ourselves every evening at the theatre during our stay there we wrote to colonel o'brien at set thanking him for his kindness and narrating what had occurred since we parted i also wrote to celeste enclosing my letter unsealed in the one to colonel o'brien i told her the history of o'brien's duel and all i could think would interest her how sorry i was to have parted from her that i never would forget her and trusted that some day as she was only half a frenchwoman that we should meet again 
before we left montpelier we had the pleasure of receiving answers to our letters the colonel's letters were very kind particularly the one to me in which he called me his dear boy and hoped that i should soon rejoin my friends or prove an ornament to my country in his letter to o'brien he requested him not to run me into useless danger to recollect that i was not so well able to undergo extreme hardship the answer from celeste was written in english but she must have had assistance from her father or she could not have succeeded so well it was like herself very kind and affectionate also ended with wishing me a speedy return to my friends who must she said be so fond of me that she despaired of ever seeing me more but that she consoled herself as well as she could with the assurance that i should be happy i forgot to say that colonel o'brien in his letter to me stated that he expected immediate orders to leave set and take the command of some military post in the interior or join the army but which he could not tell that they had packed up everything and he was afraid that our correspondence must cease as he could not state to what place we should direct our letters i must here acquaint the reader with a circumstance which i forgot to mention which was that when captain savage sent in a flag of truce with our clothes and money i thought that it was but justice to o'brien that they should know on board of the frigate the gallant manner in which he had behaved i knew that he never would tell himself so ill as i was at the time i sent for colonel o'brien and requested him to write down my statement of the affair in which i mentioned how o'brien had spiked the last gun and had been taken prisoner by so doing together with his attempting to save me when the colonel had written all down i requested that he would send for the major who first entered the fort with the troops and translate it to him in french this he did in my presence and the major declared every word to be true will he attest it colonel as it may be of great service to o'brien the major immediately assented colonel o'brien then enclosed my letter with a short note from himself to captain savage in ten days we received an order to march on the following morning the sailors among whom was our poor friend the midshipman of the snapper cutter were ordered to verdun o'brien and i with eight masters of merchant vessels who joined us at montpelier were directed by the government to be sent to givet a fortified town in the department of ardennes but at the same time orders arrived from government to treat the prisoners with great strictness and not to allow any parole it was exactly four months from the time of our capture that we arrived at our destined prison at givet pater said o'brien as he looked hastily at the fortifications and the river which divided the two towns i say no reason either english or french that we should not eat our christmas dinner in england i've a bird's eye view of the outside and now have only to find out whereabouts we may be in the inside i must say that when i looked at the ditches and high ramparts i had a different opinion so had a gendarme who was walking by our side and who had observed o'brien's scrutiny and who quietly said to him in french vous le croyez possible everything is possible to a brave man the french armies have proved that answered o'brien you are right replied the gendarme pleased with the compliment to his nation i wish you success you will deserve it but and he shook his head if i could obtain a plan of the fortress said o'brien i would give five napoleons for one and he looked at the gendarme i cannot see any objection to an officer although a prisoner studying fortification replied the gendarme in two hours you will be within the walls and now i recollect in the map of the two towns the fortress is laid down sufficiently accurately to give you an idea of it but we have conversed too long so saying the gendarme dropped into the rear in a quarter of an hour we arrived at the place d'armes where we were met as usual by another detachment of troops and drummers who paraded us through the town previous to our being drawn up 
before the governor's house. As we stopped at the governor's house, the gendarme who had left us in the square made a sign to O'Brien, as much as to say I have it. O'Brien took out five Napoleons, which he wrapped in paper and held in his hand. In a minute or two, the gendarme came up and presented O'Brien with an old silk handkerchief, saying, Votre mouchoir, monsieur. Merci, replied O'Brien, putting the handkerchief, which contained the map, into his pocket. Voici à boire, mon ami. And he slipped the paper with the five Napoleons into the hand of the gendarme immediately retreated this was very fortunate for us as we afterwards discovered that a mark had been put against o'brien's and my name not to allow parole or permission to leave the fortress even under surveillance End of chapter twenty